Welcome to the Learning 3.0 podcast. I'm Rustika Lamb from Bloom, and in each episode, I chat to learning and technology thought leaders on how to support business performance through people performance. What I love about hosting the Learning 3.0 podcast is the amazing people I get to meet, and Neha is one of those. With a blue chip background working on large transformational projects in New Zealand, she knows her stuff with heart and with passion. Air New Zealand, ASB and Vodafone. And she's now the co-founder and principal consultant at Cultivate HQ. In this episode, she clearly defines what Agile is and how it applies to HR and learning and development teams. I have no doubt if your business or organisation is looking to implement wide-scale Agile transformation, her and the people she can recommend are who you need to talk to. I hope you enjoy this podcast session. So Neha, welcome to the Learning 3.0 podcast. Thank you for having me. And, uh, so excited and, uh, to be here. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, as you say, like we've crossed paths on LinkedIn and sort of heard of each other, but our, our good friend Emma Kirkman is such a good uh, connector that I think she's probably connected three quarters of, of our Agile um, podcast guests. That sounds like Emma. I'm <laughs> always connecting the right people. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was just thinking to, to kick off like um, – and I often hear this uh, bandied around CXPX and, you know, being in sort of training and learning teams, capability teams, they're, they're actually not common terms. It'd be really awesome if you could explain what CX is and what PX is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's um, it's really interesting because I feel like for the last about three and a half, maybe four years, my world has been between CX and PX. Um, so CX, I guess, really simply put, um, you know, we know doesn't matter where in the world, what industry you're in, customers' expectations, and we're all customers. So our expectations of what we expect in terms of service are changing. Um, so that's no different, you know, from what you expect from a bank, from your utilities company, from your retail experience um, as well. So I think naturally more and more organizations are doing more to be aligned um, to the changing expectations of their customers. Um, and I don't think any industry or any organization is really immune to that. So that's where the CX or CX transformation programs of work um, come from. Underlying that, um, again, the best um, customer transformation programs that I've seen put people or their people at the heart of it. So it's like, actually, it is your people through technology that are going to deliver on these really kick-ass customer experiences. So if CX is changing, PX, your people experience or employee experience, what does that need to be? And how are you, um, again, as that organization going to really amplify how you prioritize your people so that they can deliver on these amazing um, customer experiences? Mm, well, that's interesting. I didn't realize there was a connection between the two. So that's, that is really interesting. Yeah, and I think in my, um, I mean, I've got a really strong bias, obviously, being a people practitioner to go, yes, if you're going to do it right, you have to. Um, and it's often, um, you know, that kind of, three-legged stool or the golden triangle or if you look after your people they'll look after your customers and then that looks after your shareholder right so it's like I guess the new version of that is people experience then looks after customer experience and then you're creating more shareholder and best of value yeah exactly that's awesome so that's really awesome that to have that connection and, and learning people call it LX. So now we've got CX, PX, LX. <laughs> and um, I really liked the conversation we're having before we started recording, which was around, you know, agile organizations are learning organizations. So we will come back to that. 
Um, but do you want to just give us a, you, and you, you've had some really great experience and you sound, sound like you did a big project um, transformation on, at ASB. Um, yeah. Tell everyone, like, that sounds like it was an amazing experience. It was actually. Um, I'm probably super grateful um, for, I guess, my personal learning experience <laughs> through that opportunity. Um, so I think with ASB, my journey, really the introduction to agile transformation started um, probably in my first role as the people and culture um, business partner working firstly with the technology division when we were moving to an agile way of working. Mm -hmm. So did that for about three and a half years. In those three and a half years, we probably went through four versions of that transformations or four iterations. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, you know, where we kind of got to with the organization was just like, oh yeah, cool, we're agile, but only in part of the business. And the rest of the organization needs to catch up because you've got two different ways of working um, and that does create some inconsistencies. Luckily for me, when I left about seven months later, um, the bank were looking to transform um, and it was a CX transformation, so customer experience mm -hmm. transformation and moved to a new way of working. And what was really awesome about that wasn't just actually the bank scaling to a brand new um, way of working, but they really wanted to make sure the taxonomy and the new operating model that we went to mirrored the customer experiences that were really, really important. So was it was it part of the activity-based working move into the new building? No. Oh, it was, so, it was something else. Okay. Yeah, it was something totally different. So that actually happened. You're absolutely right. Um, about seven years ago now when they oh moved into the new building was activity-based working. <laughs> um, and that building's still really cool. cool. Um, actually, mm -hmm. even their um, Albany location, which hasn't had a refresh in a long time, I still think is really, really cool, awesome space. Um, and obviously, I'm sure COVID is going to change that and it's going yes. to change that a lot, um, especially for distributed teams. Um, but I think on the CX transformation, so it was about actually going bank-wide um, with a new way of working, but if you think about, you know, most banks and not just banks, I think most organizations are um, historically organized. Well, you've got the retail, you've got business banking, you've got lots of different divisions. What if you flip that on its head and organize yourself around customer experiences? Mm. So you've got all the right people um, and the right teams that were kind of centered and designed around delivering on those customer outcomes. Mm. Um, so that's what we were trying to create. Um, that started about two years ago. Um, and that involved, um, you know, the bank prioritizing, hey, these are our 20 um, top customer experiences. What's the work? What are the teams? Um, so we stood up six different tribes across all the different divisions, 17 different practices, um, seven different platforms. So about 2,000 of the 5,000 people. Um, mm. Amazing learning experience. Uh, had the opportunity to work with some really talented people to go, okay, if this is the CX taxonomy, um, this is how our systems of work need to be um, organized. Um, and again, you know, it's really building that architect and blueprint of the organization, but also helping them transition to mm -hmm. that new way of working. Mm. So you sound like a bit of a, like you have a, you've got a bit of a growth mindset. So you're obviously learning, learning, learning as you're doing as well. Um, when you say about um, agile organisations are learning organisations, do you want to sort of expand a bit more on that? Yeah, um, and I think we, we talked about that you know, right before, especially the role of um, learning teams. I think, actually, when I think about agile and organisations that have 
fully move to um, an agile way of being, um, not just agile way of working, um, they're learning and they're learning at every level. Um, one of my favorite um, agilist, um, Pat Reed, um, she actually came and visited uh, a couple of years oh, ago. Yes. Yeah, I heard about that. Was she part of the Accenture? I think she is part of, no, she wasn't part of actually, she wasn't part of Deloitte, um, but there was an organization who brought her across. Yes. Um, mm. And she's hugely impressive. Um, and I remember when um, she kind of spoke, you know, she used um, the Amazon example when she was working with them, um, you know, and the way they're agile and the way she talks about them, they learn every 11 seconds. So they've got a learning cycle of 11 seconds where they're releasing something to the customer, um, wow. not six weeks, not two weeks, not one week, every 11 seconds. Amazing. But there's a lot that goes into that because it's like actually these are your dev teams that are delivering value, but you're also learning not just at a team level, at an organization level. Um, and I think for me, that's really powerful. Um, and the second thing that I'd add, you know, when you're a learning organization, because for me, if Agile is really about mindset, and it is, mm -hmm. um, it's actually less visible and it's more powerful. Yes. Because that 11 second mm -hmm. learning cycle, um, a, it's huge, but it's probably not as visible as maybe having, you know, tools and processes where you've got Kanban boards and visual management boards all around the building. When mm -hmm. people are being Agile, you might not see those visual symbols, but you're probably doing more. Um, and I think that, that there's something in that. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And, and that leads me into my, my first question really is around um, what is agile? Because we hear things like Kanban and we hear like all of these things about, you know, uh, like the different aspects of agile. But as you say, it's actually not about that. So what, how would you describe agile to, to the general public? Yeah, I think for me, um, and, and there is both, you know, there are people that maybe do find comfort in those tools and methodologies, and I think there are many to choose from. But I think for me, Agile, first and foremost, is a mindset, and it's a mindset of being able to break big chunks of work and smaller pieces of work. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the work, actually being able to talk about the value or something that's usable. And yeah, you can deliver faster with less headaches. So you're mm -hmm. actually making it easier for the people that are doing that work. Um, and simply put, like I love the dandy people um, diagrams. Um, I know um, that's actually one of my favorite resources. Um, I'll share a link with you. Um, but, you know, it's first and foremost, it's about mindsets that's underpinned by four values and 12 principles. Oh, and yes. There are a lot of methods for you mm. to choose from. Um, so I think maybe for me, the best analogy, actually, that I really like, it's a little bit like the modern or mixed martial arts. So the mixed martial arts, um, it's actually, you know, anchored in a lot of order principles like judo or karate that have a lot of discipline um, and a very specific kind of art. And the mixed martial arts is just a modern way of using or applying those methodologies depending on the situation. Yeah, that's, that is a really good analogy. Yeah, I really like that. That's, um, that's awesome. And I love that. Agile is a mindset, less visible but more powerful. I think that's um, – we'll use that for our LinkedIn <laughs> when we're promoting this uh, this podcast. And uh, now, Dandy Link, is that the Agile Manifesto? Is that the – yeah, so dandy people, um, you'll recognize it when you see it. They're the really colorful one-page posters. That's what they're really okay. famous for. Uh -huh. um, 
And they're my go-to resource um, anytime I'm talking to a team, especially if they're new to Agile. Mm-hmm. A, I love how much they can capture and literally one page poster and they've got one for everything so they've got one for agile recruitment agile hr agile um physical environment and seating space um and it's the easiest the simplest way i find to describe or introduce agile to people um when i'm talking to them for the first time nice nice so and you, and you mentioned agile hr which um takes us to, so if, if agile is about mindset and there's lots of different tools that go with it what is agile hr because learning and development would fit within that parameter i'm guessing yeah it um absolutely does and i think um you know hr like it's something that's that's obviously um personally i'm really really passionate about but when i think about the role of hr and how hr is changing or the future of hr um my personal view is HR's role is going to change quite significantly if it hasn't already in most of the organizations. So in an agile transformation or CX transformation context, I really see us playing kind of two roles. So one is if we are the systems of work designers, which we are, doesn't matter if you're an HR generalist, if you are a HR specialist, um, by way of that, we're actually those architects of an organization. So what that means is um, actually every HR function that's supporting an organization who's on this um, transformation journey, you're helping that organization become a learning organization. The way you'll probably do that is you're building more collaborative networks over hierarchy. Um, So that's, again, you know, moving to those new operating models um, where people again, are organized differently. Mm -hmm. Um, You are enabling more transparency over secrecy um, because that's, again, another one of the principles and that's really important. Um, As that system of work designer, you're also helping organizations be more adaptive than prescriptive. So again, for HR, the challenge is how do we move um, from being a HR police or policing (laughs) and being more punitive (laughs) in what we do to more of the, hey, you know, let's treat you like grown-ups and adults um, and trust you and empower you, but in an exciting way. I can hear the listeners all laughing at the same time at that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry if there's any HR people out there, but honestly, isn't this the the standard sort of of thing is HR or the police? HR and marketing. I don't think any marketing people be listening to this, but um, yeah. So that's interesting, and, and you're quite, and you're quite right. I and mean, I think I've been saying that to people since you know over, during or before COVID. But you know, really, learning and development should be about supporting the business to achieve their goals, whatever they might be, whether they're going through a transformation or not. Um, aligning it to their to the to the actual strategy and goals that they've got, solving problems, and not just making stuff because making stuff is what they like doing so there's a there's a huge mindset shift needs to come within the industry itself i see so um and that's what you're saying is that hr needs to 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 be doing that for their organizations as well so absolutely and Mm. i think um you're so right like even on you know that kind of inspire and engage over hey, let's manage and retain, you know, so I was like, actually, our language and how we think about our mahi and our work, um, and it doesn't matter what discipline within HR you're part of, um, is, is huge. Um, mm-hmm. And I think HR teams have got a massive role to play to help organisations um, get to there. And I think the way they can do that is actually even during the transformation itself, 
how can you as that function show up differently and embrace those values and principles Mm. so so you've obviously done you've obviously worked with a few organizations the the larger ones that you've worked off with because you've said you've worked from startups you know you know through to large corporates and you like that sort of that sort of the the difference between the two and and you learn from both have HR teams been open to being more agile no what very um very much so um in my experience um And it's actually not that different from helping non-HR teams go on that journey. Yeah, Um, that's true. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of, you'll find that in any kind of change or transformation, right, from 10 years ago to now. um, I think inherently people want to be better. They want to do more. I think sometimes you'll always, in any function, any team, have those early adapters that are really keen, that are really motivated, that are generally really willing to give anything a go. Um, You'll always have a small percentage that are maybe a sceptical or that have not had the best experience or that just really don't believe in it. And then most people are somewhere in the middle to go, okay, well, I'll follow, but, you know, what's in it for me? Um, And I think in my experience with HR or non-HR teams, focus on your early adapters and people that are really keen um, let them give it a go um, and let them become those really awesome kick-ass um, stories um, and then like actually half of your work is done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of stories, now this is more of a, more of a, a tech um, scenario. Like I know that when, when I help people with learning tech and, and selecting learning tech or ed tech, um, I've, I've started recently, well, this year, going down the user story route rather than a long list of, you know, here's my functional requirements table. So please make a comment. Um, where does that fit into Agile? Because someone said to me, oh, are you using Agile? I'm going, I don't think so. <laughs> so because just to me, it makes sense. So where are user stories? Is that just another tool of Agile? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think user stories kind of fit into Scrum, but you might not use Scrum. You might use Kanban. What I really like, the principle of using user stories, you've always got your customer or the person you're designing for in mind. Yes. So you don't become too solution focused. Um, So again, the intent of using user stories actually, from my perspective, combines on three different methodologies. Because by focusing on the user, you're actually emphasizing the importance of human-centered design. So who Mm -hmm. are you actually designing for? Mm. The second thing that you're doing, if it's for a team, and depending on how you're going about user stories, you're empowering and you're not dictating how you get to Mm. that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a very good point, actually. Mm. And the third thing, another principle that you often do, you know, if you use a story in terms of sizing, you're actually limiting your work in progress. Because quite often, most teams are guilty, and individuals, not just teams, we're guilty of overcommitting and starting lots of things, but we're not great at finishing. Mm-hmm. So if you've scoped it and sized it right, you're more likely to get it done. Mm you've done it for the right user or the right customer mm-hmm. and you haven't dictated the solution or exactly what it is as long as it meets that user need. Um, so I think for me, it's actually those principles. Quite often, you'll get introduced to user story writing when you're learning about Scrum and Scrum methodology. Mm-hmm. So there's, there is, and, and there are different methodologies and Scrum is one. Correct. 
Lean is another, is that right? Yep, Lean Human Centered Design. So Scrum is kind of a combination because I think it does um, draw on some human centered design or design thinking principles. Um, it's an agile methodology. You know, it does kind of not dictate, but guide the cadence and the different ceremonies. Yes. Um, one thing sometimes I have seen um, teams, like I guess, um, you know, talking about traps or what to avoid, some people or some teams have not necessarily gone full agile, but been introduced to Scrum and only Scrum mm. and then focused too much on the methodology than the mindsets. Mm. And that's where I guess when I've kind of seen people get too fixated um, on Scrum as a methodology, you're actually forgetting the essence of why. You know, so again, mm -hmm. who's your customer? Why are you breaking down um, work? And kind of going back to those principles of value and mm -hmm. how you're generating more value for whoever it is that you're designing for. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. And and I think it, it is confusing because even just in that you know, last two or three minutes, we've talked about human-centered design, design thinking, Scrum, we've talked about Agile, and people just go, like, what? <laughs> it's like, so much. And as you say, methodology over mindset, I think, is probably the big distinguishing factor um, there. Um, so with, say, for example, human-centered design and design thinking, are you saying that they are discrete methodologies in and of themselves? as well? Yes, I think they are. Um, yep, just like Agile, because um, I think some people would argue and say, oh, you know, human-centered design. And I was like, actually, to do Agile or to be a really good learning organization or a learning team, um, what you need to have is probably all. So you need elements of design thinking or human-centered design. Mm. You need agility or business agility, um, which mm. is, again, always thinking about customer value and always breaking down work into, mm. you know, releasable. Um, and I actually think there is a lot of place and merit and value in lean and lean methodologies. So, again, great learning organizations or great agile organizations probably apply a bit of all three. Mm. And I think the biggest thing um, and what organizations, when you're transforming or moving to a new way of working, it's likely going to be a combination of all three. Mm. But you have to know, based on the type of work, you know, where does it work and where does it not work? Mm -hmm. So, again, being able to choose the right methods to solve the right problems. Mm. Yeah, and actually, I was when I was talking, to, I interviewed um, or had uh, Nick Mackelson-Smith talking, and he, and he said the same thing, like, Agile, is, I would never recommend one methodology because it just depends on the situation, and, and you're saying the same thing. It's like it's a, you know, work out what your problem is and then choose the right methodology, and it could be, as you say, it could be a mix of it, like a recipe, so... Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Which, would, which would make for interesting work for you because I'd imagine no one client is ever the same. <laughs> no, not at all. And I think, um, but I think it's like once you've done one or two, you can kind of see the traps. Um, and one um, analogy, again, I'll go back to the mixed martial arts. You know, what I kind of loved about that, I don't know if you've heard of the Shuhari. Um, so I'm not a, by the way, I'm not a ninja. I'm not a martial arts expert <laughs> at all. I have a brother who is, um, but you know, I don't have anything above a green belt um, from when I was maybe 10. Um, 
<laughs> but shuhari um, is actually kind of a how you um, master, you know. So again, um, it's a Japanese martial arts, um, and the discipline is shu might be a beginner or an apprentice, and then you progress to becoming a master. So if I apply that principle and going back to mixed martial arts, so if agile is like mixed martial arts, so you've got the discipline of judo, which is highly disciplined and prescriptive. You've got the discipline of karate. But as you're working through an apprentice to, okay, now I can do it on my own, to now I'm a master and I can teach others, you're actually honing in that craft. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I might be, I know design thinking or those principles and that methodology really, really well. And I've learned lean really, really well and or agile. And only then can I do mixed martial arts because yes. I know which ones I can pick and choose when. Mm. But what that means is I might need a basic level of understanding of all of them before I can move to mastery. Yes. So I think there's yeah. definitely... Um, I think from an education point of view, and if you're new to Agile, um, our, my invitation would be get curious um, and learn a little bit about all those different um, methodologies. Yes. Only then will you know what needs to be applied where and you mm -hmm. can make those choices and decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Good advice. Really good advice. So one of the things that we were going to talk about was um, – you know, agile in training and development capability teams. But does that just, it just, it's this, look, I guess it's around how can these training teams be more agile if they're not going through an agile transformation and they're not going through a CX type transformation? Like, how can they start to be more agile if they're thinking, well, actually, that could be the way to go? Yeah. And I was actually, I was thinking about that. So um, I myself have not been, um, you know, in a deep expertise kind of uh, training role, but my belief is agile organizations are learning organizations. Mm -hmm. So I have, and I'm going to contradict myself in two seconds, by the way. <laughs> so when I think about that, I was like, oh, learning and development by far has the most important role to a, help organizations go on that journey and become learning organizations. Um, and that can start really small, so it can start with one team. So strategically, what that means is actually the focus um, for you as a learning function in that situation is probably moving away from being individual learning focused to teams and networks. So that's quite strategic and a stretch. Mm. And if I go back to our Amazon example, okay, if Amazon are learning every 11 seconds, that's because they're learning from every single team, every single release. Mm -hmm. So how are you creating a system where learning is embraced and thought about in that way, right? That would mm. be my first invitation and challenge for you to start thinking about learning and flipping it on its head. It's mm -hmm. not about individual learning and what training you're giving me. It's how are we learning as a network of people. Mm -hmm. I think the second thing in that um, is, again, you know, how are you encouraging, you know, our world is really different. Learning is also really accessible. So that tech-supported peer learning, where I'm not mm -hmm. reliant on you as my trainer or as my facilitator. And same, again, moving from that individual to team learning. So that's me on how learning and development can start thinking about learning differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really important for agile organizations to be learning organizations. Mm -hmm. Coming back to, let's say you're not 
and your organization isn't transforming and you're just a learning and development professional who wants to be more agile and is really curious in that team. So my, my first sense is, is like, actually, when I think about the HR function, wouldn't it be amazing if we were more cross-functional? So if we mm. didn't silo ourselves into, oh, I'm a recruiter, I'm an L&D, it's like, actually, what if we were all a little bit more generalist and we came together around those employee problems that we were trying to solve. Mm. So I don't know, it may be about actually the most impactful thing that we could be doing for our people right now is around a recognition and reward scheme. And there might be learning elements where we all bring something different and we work as that kind of cross-functional team where we're breaking those silos um, that we've always had. Mm. And that would be my first challenge. You know, if you're part of an HR team and you sit in the L&D, how can you think a little bit broader. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say that's not the case and it's like coming back to L&D. Um, I think for me, I'd still go back to the mindsets, you know, so think about your work. Um, I'm actually doing this exercise with the team right now with the L&D team. And my first challenge to them was, okay, think about the type of work that you've got coming up, you know, in the next six months and tell me within that work, where what type of work? So the three things I call are, um, Meet, beat, and compete. So meet is just run. It needs to be done. It's just BAU. It's quite transactional mm-hmm. as your meet or run. Beat is, okay, it adds a little bit value. It's about optimizing or enhancing or making something better. Mm-hmm. And compete is game-changing. Okay, this is the stuff that's really going to add value. We haven't, and this is really different. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that exercise, I guess my challenge for them is really thinking about the work that you're doing, how and where is it generating additional business value? Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, why are we spending more or 80% of our effort doing meat that's adding <laughs> very little business value? Yeah. The, the reason and the purpose of that exercise, you know, is that challenge is just that kind of reflection, who and how is it adding value? And then we can kind of come back to those agile mindsets and those principles to go, okay, now let's think about within our work, you know, how can we have more individual and interactions over processes and tools? Mm. Or are we actually creating training that's reinforcing the importance of process and tools? Are we creating more comprehensive documentation? And if we are, why? Yeah. You know, so it's actually kind of going back to those um, manifesto values and principles to really start, I guess, holding that mirror to go, okay, this is a bit of a self-audit um, on us mm-hmm. and go, what do we need to change in terms of our mindsets? Um, what about the training that we are creating and the type of value that we're creating and how are we starting to think about that differently? Absolutely. It's so funny. After talk, like when I talk to Emma and, and I talk to you and it's and then I switch to Nick the other night the other day and I think it's in times like that I think, oh, that sounds so exciting. Maybe I don't want to be a learning technology specialist anymore. Maybe a strategist anymore. Maybe I just want to like come and do CXP stuff. It's like, no, no, stop that. No. <laughs> no. I just think very like we'll we'll all be we'll all be agile. Um, most of us already are. We just don't know it, or we're just yeah. not using the same words to describe it. I, I think what what you, that that meet beat competes really awesome though, because the one thing I see learning teams not doing is actually doing stuff to add business value. I, I just think that's just so important, and I think any L and D team that can start thinking along those lines then become yeah you know, they 
the, the manager that comes and says, we want this training, and they try and, like, push back and say, no, I don't, it might not be a training need. I just want training. Give it to me. So they, they do it. They just do the the meet, 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 meet all day long. And um, as you say, it doesn't always, it, well, it doesn't add business value. So, yep. yes, um, I was, my, um, I'm writing a book for my master's, how to create a learning 3.0 ecosystem. And that's exactly what I was writing about in the weekend. It's just like, guys, like, come on, you've got to have that business value mindset. But h- how do you help people get that? So, yep. So in terms of that, so if someone was listening to this and went, oh, my God, that sounds so interesting, like me, and not that I'm going to leave my job, but <laughs> someone that was you know, in an L&D team, how would they get started? Like, And I know this is one of my last questions. It's like, what books or courses would you recommend? Yeah, I'm not a um, I'm not a big fan of books. Um, I can't believe I just admitted that. Um, I, I will read them. I think I'm more go to again those bite sized articles or podcasts. Mm. Um, if you are looking for a book recommendation, Agile People. It's a mm. really really easy read. Um, it's got actually a whole chapter on learning and it breaks it down and it's got learning, agile learning principles. So it breaks down the values um, for L&D teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a great introduction um, mm-hmm. and it is a really, really easy read. So definitely recommend that. Um, um, dandy People resources. Mm-hmm. I love those. Um, they're I'll, I'll so simple. These, I'll put these links. So so they would. Oh, you'll send me the links for that. They are web links. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. I'll put those in the, in the uh, show notes. Yeah. That's good. And I think in terms of education, like if I could, I would 100% encourage if you're new or you're curious, go do an Agile Foundations or a Business Agility Foundations course. Um, there's actually um, do a design thinking or human centered design course. In this day and age, there's so many free online resources um, yeah. available as well. But I definitely encourage you to get curious about those two things. You know, start with the basics. Mm. And I remember when I when e-learning sort of first came to the fore in sort of the late 2000s, I was just in projects. I would say, oh, by the way, I can just we can create this outside of and, and in my own time. Learned. They loved it. Then you've got experience. Then you take it to the next one. And I think that's the same. Like if people are in a role, you know, even if, as you say, like it's, you know, try using user stories on the next piece that you do, upskill, try something else. And people go, oh, that works. All right, now we want, now you become experienced. It's because you've actually put the effort in to learn yourself, but also apply it. So it's not just learn, learn, learn. It's actually where you can apply what you're learning. Totally. And I think it's funny, like, because what you just said, you know, I'm still a huge fan of the whole 70, 20, 10, you know, the three E's. Mm -hmm. This is like actually the learning that happens by doing or when you're using something will stick far more. Um, So, yeah, just give something a go. And that's actually another principle. It's iterative. You know, you make it better. You make it work. If you don't get it the first time, you will the fourth time. Mm, That's so true. Um, It's interesting for any consultants listening, though, because often when you're working with a variety of clients, you might try new things and it may not work. It may not work as well as you thought. And then you think, oh, well, are these people paying me to be the expert in that? But then I'm, you know, learning at the same time. So it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of a trip though if you're a consultant because you're, you're always learning whenever you're working with clients, are always like learning something new. So how would you handle that? Yeah, and I think the consultant one is really interesting, right? Like being a consultant this year, being the first year, being a consultant kind of myself, um, you do obviously sign up to gigs um, as the expert. 
you know, mm -hmm. so it's like, hopefully, if you're not confident and you're not an expert in agile or that, that that's not what you you've signed up to, you wouldn't <laughs> be, <consulting>. right? No. <laughs> do what you do. Do 10 years, practice, 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 then go consulting. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Like, actually, hone. I, I'm a big, like, hone in on your craft. But if this is an area that you're excited about or you're just really curious about, go to some meetups. Um, one thing I found, um, people are very generous, Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, Emma, Nick, um, all these wonderful people that you've mentioned that I've learned so much from in the last 18 months um, and people that I got to a chance to work with at ASB, really senior consultants and experts, you learn through their experience and you'd be surprised how willing people are and how generous they are with their time, their learnings. Um, and how much they want to help other people really succeed. That's certainly been the case in, um, you know, in my case. Yes. Um, so I think sometimes it's also just maybe go check out some of those HR or Agile meetups network um, and reach out to someone that you connect with or have that connection with. There's an Agile HR meetup in Auckland, isn't there? Yes, there used to be. I think they kind of dropped because um, that was a few years ago. There were a bunch of um, us all going on Agile transformations, not knowing a lot about Agile. Um, mm. That was really helpful to have that peer network. Yes. So, um, again, those friendships have still stayed and we still tap into that same network. But I think the meetups, um, just time capacity um, kind yeah. of stopped. Yes, I hear you on that. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what about traps? What about traps for Agile that, that people might be considering this or even may have started this journey? Like what are some of the traps that you would sort of give people a warning on? I think for me, um, the number one where it's been done great, whether it's a case study or something I've been part of myself, um, executive sponsorship. So, you know, one of the um, first things that I remember what I mean by that, you know, most execs that know about Agile or know about CX Transformation, want to do it. But quite often when you ask them, they'll probably tell you, yeah, I know just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> and yeah. that couldn't be truer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think one of the things is, it's like, have you really got the right exec sponsorship? And do they understand enough, a little bit more than enough to be dangerous um, so that they can go on the journey with you? I think that's yes. really, really, really key and critical. <laughs> so, so um, who, who would generally sponsor? So, I put their budget up to to do a transformation or become agile. Is it a CIO role? Is it an HR role? Is it a CEO role? Like generally, or does it vary? I think it varies. Um, and again, for me, it kind of goes back to why. You know, don't yes. don't do it for the sake of like don't do it because it's a trendy thing. <laughs> do it to solve a really <laughs> <Yeah>. good problem <laughs> in your business. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy Waters said the same thing when she did her their Agile transformation with their learning team, Sky TV. And um, I, I reference it in almost everyone I talk to on these podcasts, um, you know, chats. It's quite interesting because she said the same problem, the same thing. Focus on the problem. Don't just do it because it's something you've heard that you should do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Be very clear on what is the problem that you're trying to solve, and then that should make the sponsorship really, really easy. Um, in my cases, where I've seen the traction, the momentum, and for it to be sticky and land really well, it's always been at that CE level. Yeah. Um, and probably one of the first things um, where, if you can nail this in those early days, you know, with um, most exec teams, um, and it is their role too, um, there are too many initiatives, way too many initiatives. Even within the transformation, sometimes they're like, oh, these are the 20 problems that we're going to solve. 
you know, through it's this because this is the magic pill. Um, or a list of 75 strategically important initiatives in one financial year. So, you know, if you can help that executive team is their first challenge um, as they go on that journey to go, okay, how are we going to, you know, drop this list from oh, 75? Reduce the list. <laughs> yeah, and limit your work in progress. You know, let, let's apply that. Um, I think that's a good start. Um, I think the second trap, um, Rustica, that I've seen, it's, it becomes a change program. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's not a very agile way of um, doing change. Mm-hmm. So again, even in the transformation itself, how can you embrace some of those mindsets, values, and principles where actually you're focusing more on people and interactions? Um, you're again, you know, you're delivering value even through your change initiatives, not documentation, and you're actually creating something that's really engaging and exciting. Mm-hmm. And way too often, I've seen programs and spreadsheets and Gantt charts that are like this is the opposite of an agile, you know, <laughs> of what we're trying to be. Um, and I think the last one, actually, there's two more probably in terms of traps. So one is obviously you are most organizations when they're going on this journey and even teams, um, our instant reaction is to move to some kind of a restructure um, or anticipate a restructure. In some cases, a restructure might be valid. But there may be cases, again, depending on the problem that you're solving, it's not about a structural change. It's genuinely and truly about how you work. Mm-hmm. Um, but more often than not, it will be some kind of reorganization. Mm-hmm. So in that reorganization, um, one thing I've seen is like, don't just give them new titles or copy an operating model. Be really true to the intent of mm-hmm. that role design or org design. So you were going to tell me about the other two traps, the last two traps that you had? Yeah, so I think my um, last two, one is restructure. So without a doubt, you know, moving to a new way of working, there will be some kind of a reorganization element. It may be, in some cases, it might just be how you're working. It may not be a restructure, but in some cases, it definitely will be. And I think my challenge or invitation, what I've seen sometimes done poorly, will give people new titles and new job descriptions, but we'll still keep doing things the way that we did them. Mm-hmm. So that, again, the behavior, the mindset, or the intent of that role isn't always realized. And I think that's where, again, as the people and culture or your HR function, um, we've got a massive role that we can play, not just in the org design, but how we bring those new roles to life to truly set them up for success. Um, th- th- there's a massive piece there that's often missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last trap is, um, you know, most transformations and as learning professionals and HR professionals, we, we always say, yeah, it's not a it's not a digital transformation. It's a cultural transformation. And that's mm-hmm. true. But again, if it's a true cultural transformation, two things that happen is how much are we co-designing or not? And we often don't co-create very well because mm-hmm. we're the experts. We know all the answers. And it's like, actually, do we? And have we really tested the power of that co-creation and co-design? Mm. Um, and the second thing that I've, again, the trap is we push, we push change on people. Whereas actually with agile transformations, and again, if we're true to those principles and values, how can you create more of a pull? So focus on your early adapters, focus on the motivated people and create a pull as opposed to pushing change. 
Yeah, so, so change and agile is quite close. But as you say, just like learning, there's there's actually a waterfall type type methodology with change and learning content development design, um, design development. Um, but put agile on it, it's a whole different ballgame. Well, that's um, that's quite a lot of information for people to take on, especially if they're sort of getting started in the journey. Um, and it's just it's so good to hear that it's, it is about mindset. Um, and, and as you were talking, I was thinking, it's a bit. I don't know if you've seen the Gary Ridge WD forty. He he was he's an Australian. He was he's became CEO in nineteen ninety seven. So as part of the book I'm writing, the, that learning how to create a learning ecosystem. Um, I actually was researching a bit more about the share price because they've had a phenomenal uplift in share price because ah. he, he believed that everything was a learning moment. So they went from like one country, like the, the, the financial benefits have been massive. But the share price actually took about nine, eight, nine years. So it, sort of, it was still growing steadily under since 1997. But then it just went through this exponential growth at about eight or nine years. And I thought to myself, I wonder if that's how long it takes for true culture to change, like really embed to really have that impact. I don't know what your thoughts are on how long it takes to for a cultural change to really embed. I think that, that's really interesting, and I'm really curious about that study. Um, and culture change is one of those really funny things, right, because culture is always evolving. Mm. That's the thing because it's like actually culture is not a sticky or a static thing. And I think 2020, if anything, you know, that we've experienced this year is how chaotic our world really, really is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was like, oh, there's so many businesses and so many clients, like the conversations I was having with them in Jan, yes. March, panic, freak out moment, everything put on hold because yeah. there's just so much uncertainty. Um, so I think for me, again, those cultural transformations and how long it can take, um, I think for me, it's quite simple. It really comes down to that leadership yes. and the culture that they create and what they role model. Um, that's when I've seen things really stick, good or bad, Yes, actually, yes. both yeah. um, as well. Um, and I think because it's a living, it's almost like that living organism, right? Mm. where it's constantly changing and it'll change depending on what happens in your external market. Mm. So I'm sure, you know, the culture at Air New Zealand this year, which is again, another organization that's so close to my heart, still a lot of that aroha and love and, you know, that kind of compassion, but given the business climate, I'm sure it feels very different for people that are there right now to how it felt for them three years ago. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. I'll I'll send you the link to the, to the writing I did on that because that was interesting with that share price, how long it took. But at the same time, they also they also grew their markets. Like they're in 170 countries now as well. So that could be the time lag as well. So, yeah, I was interested in that from a cultural point of view. So I actually put the link in the show notes, but I'll also send it to you as well because it's actually you can, I've actually got a graph of the share, share price for 20 years So since yeah. he's been CEO. He's amazing. It's he, he believes that learning moments, nothing's, everything's learning, there's no failures, and, you know, that their engagement score is 99, and I think they use one of the one of the popular ones, 99% of people say, I'm proud to say I work at WD40. That's just That's significant. That's huge. huge. That is massive. 
Yeah. You know, one of my um, favorite kind of cultural transformations, and I think maybe I'm biased because I do um, credit it so much to the leadership, is the Microsoft um, Satya Nadella and, um, you know, what he was able to do. Quite similar. I don't think their score is still at that high, though, (laughs) or their share price, you know, that you could say the same. Um, But again, I think what I quite like about their story and the work that he did, he just focused on those leadership behaviors um, and the leadership and kept it really, really simple. Mm. So for me, again, it kind of goes back to mindsets, but I'd be super, I'd love to see that case study um, and see what happened in those nine years. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was this exponential. So it's like, it's like almost, like almost um, vertical. So really interesting. Very good. Well, look, it is afternoon, late afternoon, and um, really appreciate your time. Um, I just think that that's, super valuable and really clearly stated like so that everyone can actually understand what agile is and and, and how they could apply it in, in l&d and get started so awesome so how what's the best way for people to get hold of you i think probably linkedin um mm-hmm. so That's linkedin's the best way and i'm quite responsive on linkedin um, other social media networks, not so much, you know, especially these days. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that would probably be the best way. That's good. That's lovely. Well, thank you for um, spending the time talking and chatting. And um, I'm sure we're going to have many more chats offline. <laughs> thank you so much for the opportunity um, as well. Really enjoyed our chat. If you'd like to get in touch with me to suggest topics or speakers, you can contact me on LinkedIn or Facebook. We'll find the links in the show notes below. Keep on smiling.